those of you looking to the people of Country Hills who've made a difference in our lives as well. So we're, we're thankful to Jesus. We're also thankful to the faithfulness of others who've um, served and grown and been here um, for short and long periods of time. And so um, over the next two weeks, we're doing something not unlike what we did last week with Testimony Sunday, but not as open. Uh, inviting a few people to just share about these two aspects of Because of You. So I'm going to invite uh, Julie Prince and Medardo and Stephanie Kenyatta to come on up, and we're going to do a little bit of an interview with them about this. So whoever's sitting there gets this one. And then there's two mics here. Excellent. So, um, tell us a bit about yourself. We'll go this way. Name, a bit about your household, how long you've been at Country Hills, why you started coming, what are some of the things you've served in or been a part of at Country Hills. We'll start with you, lady in green. <laughs> so, I am Julie Prince. <laughs> I started coming to Country Hills in 1997, so that's a long time ago. Um, and I, honestly, I think I started because I was looking for a church. I wasn't long out of Bible college. I had heard Pastor Mark speak at Emmanuel um, a few times, Emmanuel Bible College, where I went. And gosh, he was a preacher. <laughs> and, uh, and I really... Um, thought it would be neat to come to Country Hills and always enjoyed his teaching. And not long after I was here, I got recruited to start leading worship. Um, at that time, worship at Country Hills was a piano and a singer. <laughs> so um, we, we've come away since then. And uh, so, yeah, so I started into leading worship and had led worship for years and years and then took a little break and then um, have been back in just singing, which I'm really enjoying singing. Um, and so that was my involvement that way. And then I also was an elder in the church. Um, it was a big moment in Country Hills. It was the first female elder, um, and that brought its own interesting things. Um, but I was honored to serve as an elder um, with a few faces in this room. And uh, yeah, did I answer everything? That's great. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we need the questions over there. <laughs> Uh, so my name is Stephanie. Oh, wait, sorry. I didn't talk about my household. No. I, my daughter, she's very important. <laughs> so I have... Yeah, we know that. Is, we know that. But lots of people don't know I have a daughter because she does not come to church with me. So I have a daughter named Hannah who is 18. Um, and I actually adopted Hannah when she was 11. Um, and she is uh, turning into a beautiful young woman. And so, yeah, so at home it is uh, Hannah and I. I adopted as a single parent, as a choice. And um, yeah, that's my household. Sorry. You forgot your cute puppies. Oh, yeah, two dogs and a cat. <laughs> uh, my name is Stephanie Kenyatta, and I am married to Medardo Kenyatta, my husband. Um, we've been attending Country Hills since 2003, so that makes it 21 years this year. Um, I found this church actually uh, after the tragic death of a friend of mine when I was 19. Um, I, ha I had a need of counseling, and so I started attending counseling in the basement with Helga. Many of you know her. Um, and she recommended that I give this church a try. 
Uh, at the time, I was raised Lutheran, and Medardo was raised uh, Spanish Baptist. So we were looking for a new church home that we could kind of, uh, as we were dating, find a place for us to be. Um, so that's how I ended up here. Uh, and I did that thing where I snuck in at the back, halfway through one service, tried not to be seen, and snuck out. And uh, Pastor saw me and said hi, and I, was, I couldn't be... Uh, couldn't be sneaky. So ever since then, I started coming, and uh, we, I've served on the worship team. Soon as uh, Susan found out I played bass, uh, I was instantly recruited. And other than having a few kids over the years, I've more or less always served. <laughs> Shout out to my kids. Um, and now we're small group leaders. So now we're, we're branching out, and we're trying different ways of serving within CHC. So that's been kind of fun to do. Um, and yeah, uh, we have three daughters, 18, 16, and 13, and we've been very blessed to raise them in this church. So I'm Medardo Cañada, as you guessed, I'm married to Stephanie. <laughs> um, so she gave you a little, I think, a, a, quite a bit of the, the history uh, about us as uh, why we came here. One of the things that I wanted to say, um, so, Stephanie did come here first, and I said, okay, well, maybe I'll come around and, and see for myself. And uh, one of the very, one of the most impressionable things that I found was uh, um, someone pronounced my name right. And, <laughs> and so that was, oh. And then the next time I came, that same person pronounced it right again. And I thought, okay, something's going on in this church, and they're very welcoming. So I, I think it's been, it's been great. Um, for myself, I've uh, also served in worship ministry uh, as an elder in the past as well, in children's ministry and currently uh, small groups. Um, and so I think those are just some additional things that, that I wanted to say about us. Great. So we're going to start uh, with that first aspect of because of you thinking about Jesus. Um, so how has Jesus used Country Hills Church to transform your life. Maybe we'll start all the way to the end. We'll work this way. We'll start with Medardo. You say the question again. Yes. Uh, how has Jesus used Country Hills Church to transform your life? So, uh, I think one of the the things that I found transformational for myself over the years is that this church really does like to pray, and so I think that. Um, is one area where um, there is a, a heart of prayer amongst a lot of uh, the people here, and I have looked to adopt that as well in my life, and especially in times when um, prayer is, is good at all time, but especially uh, it feels um, kind of like more... <laughs> more priority in times of uncertainty. And so, uh, but you need to have the relationship with God and, and, and to be able to um, be able to talk with God in those times of uncertainty because you never know when they come. Uh, you do know that they will come, but you just never know when they will come and, uh, and how they will come. And so I think that's where one thing that I've felt uh, Jesus has really helped um, to transform my life through this church. 
Um, how has Jesus used CHC? Well, um, when I first started attending here, I was very new in my faith uh, as far as adopting it from my very own. And um, for me, the way that Jesus got a hold of me was through the Alpha Group. Uh, shout out to Jim and Penny Kibble. Uh, they were holding an alpha group way back. Uh, they kind of just threw it out there and saw if anybody was, was interested. And we had just started attending. We weren't even engaged yet. And um, I had seen it in the bulletin. And I was like, well, okay, maybe I'll... Nah, no, I won't. And um, at the time, Jim and Penny lived about two blocks from my parents' house where I was living. And one day I went to get the mail, opened the mailbox, and there was a flyer in my mailbox for the Alpha Group being hosted by Jim and Penny Kibble. <laughs> I took that as a sign, and I said, I guess we're going to this Alpha Group. So that is how um, we kind of started getting involved in Country Hills and how I think uh, Jesus got me kind of rooted into a church life that I could claim for my own. Uh, we met people through the, the small group that way, and uh, just it really helped us solidify our belonging in this place, I would say. Julie? I hope I can share this, and it makes sense and come together, but I thought a lot about this question, and, um, and I think the way that Jesus has used Country Hills for me, in me, um, actually is... Uh, tied into pain. Um, as I mentioned, I was an elder for a while, and uh, there were some very difficult things that happened in the church at that time that led to some deep losses for me. Um, and I had planned to be moving to the States to work, um, and so I did move to the States to work, but that pain went with me. And when it was time to end my time working in the States and come back, I honestly thought, I'll just go back and I'll go to another church and I'll be completely anonymous and no one will know who I am and I can start over. And I really felt God saying, you are loved by these people and you love these people. And so I made the decision to come back to Country Hills, and it was a very conscious, very hard decision, because when I walked back into this place, I walked into a place of pain, and um, probably for the first six months, I actually spent every Sunday morning in the bathroom crying, <laughs> um, and then I would get myself together, and I would come back out, but God worked in that through me, uh, God worked through me in that he worked through the church in me um, because he taught me that you don't always have to run from pain. And I was in a place where I wanted to run from it. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be faced with the memories and the loss. And, but he encouraged me, go back. And um, it was incredibly hard for a long time. <laughs> and it's a situation where there has not been reconciliation, but there has been healing in me. And over many, many years of being back in this community, um, God using this church to heal me. And so um, that's what really stuck out to me of how God has used, has worked, has, how Jesus has worked through Country Hills in me. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Stephanie and Madardo. Second question. So it's uh, a lot like the first, but it's a little nuanced that it's, in that it's uh, somewhat more personal. 
How have others helped you to become more like Jesus and follow him better? How have others um, helped you to become more like Jesus and follow him better? And I won't make anyone go first. It's whoever, whoever feels they really want to, and then the others can follow. <laughs> Who's going to be the brave one? I'll go. <laughs> um, so how have others helped me? Uh, well, how do we start? Um, there have been a lot of things over the years. Uh, I've been here for 21 years, and definitely a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I would say that on a practical level, the volunteers have been instrumental in my life in terms of, you know, having Jim Whitmer hold my babies in the nursery so I could have a bit of a break when they were small, uh, the youth leaders for doing such a great job at raising our kids through the youth group program. Um, but on a personal level, I think the way that I saw CHC in action the most was during COVID. Um, I had been diagnosed with stage three breast cancer and was undergoing treatment. And um, it was during the lockdown. It was at the very beginning of COVID. So there wasn't really any visitation or anything that could really happen. I, I didn't have anyone to go to my appointments with me. I wasn't allowed. So CHC found out and uh, y'all showed up. <laughs> That's the only way I can put it. Um, the cards, the flowers, the food, the um, massive amount of food. Uh, the personal nurse who would come and help me post-treatment with my post-treatment care. Um, sounding boards, when things got hard, prayers. Like, it just, it, it doesn't compare um, when I think about how this church has ministered to me. And then in turn, it really showed me what the hands and feet of Jesus looked like and how I wanted my own life going forward to resemble and the opportunities that showed up for me to help others that were in a similar situation as me to be able to kind of pay it forward and uh, offer my assistance where I could as well. My daughter or Julie? I'll go. Um, for me, I think, um, you know, shout out to everybody in the church, but particularly the women of Country Hills um, have been very instrumental in my life and particularly after I became a mom. Um, and as I said, I adopted my daughter at 11, so I like dove into preteen years. <laughs> um, and so it was the women of Country Hills who came around me, prayed over me, prayed over my daughter, um, prayed with me when I was a mess of tears at the front, uh, prayed in one-on-one -on -one with me um, and continue to pray for my daughter um, and really taught me to be a mom. Um, I have a, a wonderful mom myself and an amazing sister who is an incredible mentor to me, but the women of this church um, were those mentors as well. And, and I know that's the assurance is that even though Hannah no longer is here, she, she'll make an appearance once in a while, <laughs> but um, is that there are people that are still praying for her. And that is a beautiful thing for a mother's heart is to know that people are praying for your child um, and particularly for your child to know Jesus, but for healing and, and everything that needs to come. So I'm grateful to the women of this church for listening and just 
pouring wisdom into me as well. Um, and yeah, just sheltering my little family um, in prayer. So it's funny because you mentioned the women and I was going to mention the guys. So when Stephanie and I started coming here, we were dating. We've since, we were engaged, we married, we've had kids, and we've grown together here in this church. And for me, the guys have been one uh, area where I have been very appreciative of um, because I have... I've been able to learn from people and, and even some guys, you know, jokingly say, hey, welcome to the three girl club, you know, and uh, the three daughter club. And so, you know, that's, that's joking, but you build relationships, right? And so that's been something that's lasting. And I think that's been great for myself to, to grow up in, in, I would say grow up because, um, you know, in my, from my 20s on, I've been, I've been here and there's been a lot of growing that's happened. So, <laughs> so I think there's been, um, there's been a lot of great relationships in, in this church with the guys and we serve together in different ways. Mm. Yeah. I think um, part of having uh, people other than me speak is uh, to help us understand the gift and the blessing that we have in this church and to invite you, if you're not all that connected, um, to understand the, the blessing and the gift that God has given us in Country Hills Church. And it was formed uh, by founding pastor, along with others, but uh, Pastor Mark Bolander, who passed away last year. And today would have been his birthday. And so we're thankful um, for his influence. I'm thankful for his influence on my life. And just as you guys have been sharing, I'll pull her together. Uh, just thinking the ways that uh, all of you have, um, I've had opportunity as a pastor to walk through some of those dark places with you, um, but it's reciprocal because when we as a family uh, have had some dark times, we've been in small groups and talks and texting and at homes and prayer. And so I'm thankful uh, for all of you and how you've poured into me. Let's give him a hand, and I'll pull it together. <laughs> Thanks so much. So I want to just uh, share uh, really briefly something uh, from Scripture to hang our hats on this morning. And about 20 years ago, um, I was doing some home DIY, and I wasn't so much a DIYer. I've grown a little bit. I think uh, hopefully I know a little bit more, but man, then I didn't know very much. And so we were trying to build a closet in our basement for storage, and so I wasn't really sure how to begin. And so I started to frame this thing up, and I was trying to connect the top of the frame to the floor joists above, which was the ceiling of the basement's finished. So I had to rip some things out. And it was like midnight or one in the morning, and I'm just attaching kind of the top part above the closet. And I was pretty proud of myself. Now I look back and I'm ashamed. But I was getting her all ready and secured up to the joist, and I was nailing it all in. And I just had to have a few things more I need to do and just a few more nails to make it more secure. And I didn't want to get the ladder out. I didn't want to. I just had to do a a little bit more. So I grabbed either a bucket or my toolbox. I don't remember which one. I'm not a tall guy. And so I couldn't quite reach. So I grabbed what I could and stood on it, put a couple nails in. And on either the last or the second last one I need to do is right towards the end. I was just like, oh, I'm almost done. I just got to do this. It wobbled. And so uh, 
I grabbed onto what was close, which was the thing I was securing, and I fell off what I was standing on, and everything I had just put together came crashing down on top of me, and you know the way that goes. It did more damage, and I had to rebuild a whole bunch of stuff. It was not a great night in the Schuert home, and uh, it was like <laughs> midnight, and I think I yelled, and I was like, oh no! My neighbor said, what was going on last night, man? I heard you yelling. It was like middle of the night. Is everything okay? Yes, it's okay. I'm just really foolish. So, what I learned, how do we, how do we take something spiritual from that, right? Uh, in DIY stuff, as well as your relationship with Jesus, you need a solid foundation. And I want to look at a verse from 2 Corinthians briefly this morning. And the book of 2 Corinthians, the letter of 2 Corinthians, is Paul writing the church for, for a purpose. There's a purpose. But he had previously promised to come and visit this church in Corinth, where he'd spent before, he'd already written at least one rec, uh, letter that we have recorded, 1 Corinthians. There's thought there may have been more. But he promised to come, but then in the end didn't. And so he starts off this letter, this book in the New Testament, describing and explaining why he didn't come. Because the rumor got back to him that people said he was flaky, he was unplanned, he was undisciplined, he was dishonest, his yes wasn't yes, he didn't follow through on commitments. And so he starts out this letter by saying, no, that's, that's not the case at all. In fact, I build my life upon Christ. And he lays out how Christ was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies and the law, and that we find in Christ this solid rock, and that Paul patterned his ministry and his life not only on the rock of Christ, but after the way that Jesus ministered, that his yes was yes, his no was no. And he would go on later, I'll say in a few minutes, of why he didn't actually come to them. But he writes this verse uh, in verse 20. He says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So he is saying that he lives for God and his glory. So that's the amen. And he follows the way of Jesus. That's the yes. The foundation for the way that Paul lived was based on how Jesus lived. He, he was literally following the way of Jesus. And this morning, as we look just for a moment at how Jesus fulfilled these promises and the solid rock that he is, it's my hope that this year that we will build our lives on a firm foundation, that we won't be shaky in how we follow Jesus and how we live together. Um, so let's dig a little bit deeper. What does this yes thing mean? You know, all God's promises are yes and amen. There's songs about this. Maybe you've heard that if you've been churched for a while, been in church for a while, um, but maybe you don't know what it means. And what Paul is saying here is that all the Old Testament prophecy about Jesus are fulfilled in Jesus. So he becomes the yes because he proves that these are true. So yes is an affirmative thing. It's about truth. It's about you know, honesty. And so Jesus becomes the yes about all these promises in the Old Testament about the coming Messiah. And the way Jesus was born, lived, died, rose again, ascended, and will return again, fulfilled all of these promises. So they are yes. They are true. And so Jesus is faithful. 
He's certain. The way he obeys his father never wavered. He never wavered. In fact, he would say things like, I can't do that now. It's not my time. Or we find in the New Testament and the Gospels, Jesus did this to fulfill you know, this promise. Or the disciples, the apostles would say later, they realized later that what was happening was to fulfill this thing they already knew. So Jesus is faithful and true. And since Jesus doesn't waver in his faithfulness to how he followed his father, to how he obeyed even to death on a cross, rise again, ascend, to return again, that faithfulness is the same faithfulness that Paul mirrored. And so Paul is saying, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not flaky. I'm not unplanned. I'm not undisciplined. I'm not just, you know, uh, blown about by every wind. I'm planned, and I'm honest, and I build my life. The way I minister, the truth, I don't doubt, I don't waver in Jesus. And then he shares why he didn't come. He said, actually, the reason I didn't come was for your benefit. The Corinthian church was in some real trouble, and they needed some correction, some rebuke. That's a good biblical word. And so Paul said, instead of coming with severity, because if I come in person, it's going to be really rough. But instead, I'm sending this letter ahead of me to soften the blow. And it was part of his love and his love for the people and as he prayed of what God wanted him to do. And so he wasn't being flaky. He was saying, my life and how I follow Jesus is based on a firm foundation. So there's at least two things we can learn from this yes piece. First of all, that God will be faithful. So all of God's promises are yes in Jesus. So because Jesus fulfilled God's promises for the Messiah. There's so much in the Old Testament that points to Jesus. In fact, when we read the Old Testament, some people really struggle. How do I read the Old Testament? You know, what part? Some people say, well, it's not our scriptures. We don't need it at all. Well, that's, that's not true. We do need it. But what part does it have to play? Well, you read it through the lens of the gospel. It points to Jesus. It's the precursor to Jesus. There are promises and truths there that are yes in Jesus. And because Jesus fulfilled these things, we know that he will be faithful to us. So that's the first thing. We know that God's faithfulness is true. So when you doubt, when you struggle, when you're going through a hard time and you wonder where is God, is he going to come through, what's going on, you can look at Jesus as the yes who fulfilled all these things. And if God did that in and through Jesus for you, he'll continue to work in your life. So you can count on God's faithfulness the second is that because of God's faithfulness, we can be faithful in return. We can be faithful in return. We don't need to waver. We don't need to be unstable. We don't need to be, as Paul says, a, like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. Every whim, you're, you're just not sure of your faith and where you're going. You can be faithful in your following Jesus because he's been faithful. So what is this word, amen, then? So amen is a Hebrew word. It's not just a tag on to a prayer, like over and out, I'm signing off, thanks God, peace out, whatever you want to say. It's not that. It's a Hebrew word that means let it be so. And so there's good reason it was commonly used as a part of prayer to say what I'm saying, God, may it be so. In fact, uh, it was used by the Israelites most commonly in reference to their following of God's laws and decrees. And so in Deuteronomy 27, they're reading out loud God's plan, his laws, his decrees. And after each statement, the people would say, 
amen. They're in agreement. They're saying, I agree with what you're saying, and I, I, I'm in favor of that. I agree that I want to live that out. May that happen. Let it be so. This promise and this instruction and the results of my obedience and you being near to me, may it be so. Jesus, in fact, is called amen here. And in the book of Revelation, he's called the amen as well. The one through whom we can say, let it be so. So if the yes is in reference to the promises already fulfilled, the amen is the promises yet to come. This let it be so. May these things that are true already and that have been promised, let it be so. And in Revelation 3.14, we read this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen. This letter to a church in, in those times written by John from Jesus through an angel to John sent on to this church at the city of Laodicea. It's written by Jesus himself and he is called the one who is the amen. He is the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. In other words, He's the one through whom in his life we can say, let it be so. All these things, let them be true. He is faithful. He is true. Because God has fulfilled his promises in Jesus, we know that we know that we know that he will continue to fulfill his promises. And we have good foundation to continue to be faithful as we follow Christ. In fact, he's the beginning of the new creation. Elsewhere in, in the New Testament, he's the firstborn because he's risen from the dead. Lazarus, if you know that narrative, Jesus raised Lazarus, his friend, back from the dead, but he eventually died. Jesus is the first resurrection. The way that Jesus' followers, when he returns, will be resurrected and spend forever with him. And so we bank on those promises because Jesus in himself has fulfilled, and because of that, he's an, a, he's an amen. And so we can be that too. And the real question is, what are you building your foundation on? Like this year, 2024, what's your foundation on? And sometimes it's a little shaky. We kind of take whatever's at hand, like me with a bucket or a toolbox, right? We know we need something. We're just kind of grabbing on for dear life, and it turns out not to be that lasting. Oftentimes, that's our mood. For me specifically, the thing I really struggle with is performance, right? Because when I'm doing things well, when I'm performing well, whether it's I'm being a good husband or a dad or a good pastor or whatever. I'm, I'm following through on commitments. That's a good thing. But the bad thing is, if I build that as my foundation, the moment I mess up, then I, it all falls apart. And God, where are you? And why aren't you with me? And I thought this was going to work out. And I thought if I was faithful to you, you'd bring all these promises. And God says, yeah, you just got it backwards, buddy. We need something more firm than just being blown and tossed about by the wind. And Jesus is that foundation. He is our yes and amen. And what he works in us and what Paul is trying to say is that Paul becomes a yes and amen as well. As we follow God faithfully, he can be a yes and amen. There's an old hymn written uh, almost 150 years ago called Standing on the Promises of God. Anybody know that one, Standing on the Promises of God? So it's written in 1886 by Russell Kelso Carter. 
And early in life, he was quite an athlete, and out of that he trained and became a pastor, and out of that he trained and became a doctor. And somewhere along the lines, he was a musician as well and wrote hymns. And in 1886, he wrote this hymn, and it was published in a hymn book. And he was quite young at this time, and he really struggled and wavered in his faith. He struggled with belief, and he struggled with doubt. And when he became 30, his life hit a crossroads. He had already written this song. It was already well-known. But at age 30, he was diagnosed with a critical, a terminal heart disease. And he wasn't expected to make it. And, and in 1886, you can imagine the types of medicine and cures that they had available to us compared to, uh, for them compared to us, much different. And so when they say, you have a critical heart condition we can do nothing about, that's very serious. And it's said of him that he got on his knees and he said to God, you know, despite all, all the wavering, all the struggling with belief, all the struggling with doubt, in this moment, I commit to follow you faithfully. I give you my life and I will serve you whether or not you heal me. It's almost like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who are in a fiery furnace. And they said, if our God saves us, fine. If not, he's still with us. And so he said that, and God healed him. He lived for 49 more years. And throughout those 49 years, he struggled with health difficulty after health difficulty, many of which he was not healed from, but still was faithful. Standing on the promises. Maybe you know the chorus. It goes like this. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. And that became a life anthem for him. It became a testimony of his life, written in a time when he struggled and he faltered and he wavered. God worked that into him and then put something in his life by which he was at a crossroads and he had a choice to make. What will I place and base my life upon? Here's what I think we can learn from all this. God's faithfulness to us through Jesus can be a firm foundation for our faithfulness to God because of Jesus, okay? So God's faithfulness to us through Jesus can be a firm foundation for our faithfulness back to God because of Jesus. So because Jesus has been faithful to us, because God has been faithful to work and, and be in our church and in, in us as individuals, we can be faithful to him. It doesn't mean you're not going to have times of doubt. It doesn't mean you're not going to have times where you, you question, but it means that you go through that differently. That's part of why we think Country Hills and the church family is important. So you find your people who you can call and who you can be a support to as well. All of God's promises are true, yes and amen in Jesus. And so we can, we can bank on them too. Not every promise you find in Scripture is for you. And if you want a little bit more teaching on that, you can look back to the fall and the In the Whispers uh, series that we did here. And I speak about that in a couple sermons about how to tell what promise is for us and what's for a specific individual and um, a logos and a rhema word. And you can look back and find that. But here's, here's a summary of that. 
There are general promises in God's word that is for everyone. There are other promises that are for people who existed before now, the people in the narrative, the people who actually lived it. And there's other promises that are specific to people other than us. And regardless of that, when you have a promise for you, how do you, you know, how do you know it's for you? What, what do we base on? How can we find something solid this morning as we leave? In the history of the church, leaders have come together and formed, put together, written what we know to be as creeds. Now, as a church, we don't typically do a lot of responsive reading. We don't read through the creeds. We don't tend to use written prayers and just speak them out. I think as an evangelical church, we tend to have, over time, evangelical churches in general, gotten away from that because it seemed like it was kind of dead religion and it was rote and why would I read this thing somebody else has written? But there's something wonderful about that. And so in the book of Acts, the leaders of the church, the apostles and others, gather to talk about some issues of the day. Their main issue there was how do Gentiles become Christians when they weren't Jews first? The first Christians were Jews. So what do we do? And they had a, a Jerusalem council and they sent letters out to all the churches to say, okay, Gentiles don't need to become Jews, but here's some things they should abstain from, from their pagan lifestyle. Some clarity, because the church wasn't organized. And even up until 325 AD, they were still having councils, because by that time, there still wasn't uh, the New Testament yet. The New Testament wasn't fully formed. These letters and gospels were being read and distributed. Some of them were false. Some of them were uh, said to be written by people, and they weren't. There were false teachers. There was all sorts of confusion, and the church leaders were trying to get on top of this. And it was in an era where there was widespread illiteracy. So how do you teach people the basics of their faith when they can't read, when there's not a the New Testament, the church isn't fully organized? So they met and they had councils. And already at that point, they had a creed called the Apostles' Creed, a creed taken off the teaching and life of the apostles that they would learn and people could memorize and they would recite regularly in their services. And in 325, they had a council called the Council of Nicaea, and they came up with the Nicene Creed. And still to today, it is the main core of Christianity. It holds in it the main beliefs. There's all sorts of other theology and belief and practice that different denominations we differ on. But in this, this is the promises and the truth we know we can stand upon. There's two things you need to know before we read this together, okay? We're going to read it as it was written, okay? We're, we're not going to use some of the more modern gender-inclusive language. Why? Because you're intelligent and I believe in you. When you read man... You can know that in 325 AD, man and mankind didn't mean man and only mankind. It meant everybody. You're intelligent enough for that. And when we read the Holy Catholic Church, it's actually not talking about what we know as the Catholic Church. The word Catholic means worldwide. And the Catholic Church wasn't fully formed. When they wrote this word in here, it meant the worldwide church, all followers of Jesus across the world. And so as long as you know that while we read it, that when you say man and mankind, it's meaning everyone. And when we read Catholic, it means every follower of Jesus across the world. I think it's something good that we can know these are promises. These are truths that can become yes and amen 
through our lives for us and a witness to others who we validate and make true the gospel by how we live it. So let's stand as we read it. And uh, those of you at home, you'll find it on your screen as well. And we'll read through uh, these, these slides here. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made. Who, for us men and our salvation, came down from heaven and became incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he arose, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. That is a whole lot and a whole little. But if you are wondering, what do we believe? What can I build my life upon? What is the core if I'm wavering? These are some words that can help. It's my hope in 2024 as we continue to recount the story of Country Hills, what it's done in our lives and how you can be a part of it, that Jesus, the yes and amen, is our foundation. It's because of him and it's because of the faithfulness of others following him that we are who we are. And may we all be one of those ones who live a yes and amen in Jesus to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son to be our yes and amen. May our lives be yes in Jesus and amen as we glorify you, Father, in how we live. May our li lives point to truth and not hypocrisy. May our lives point to uh, very real struggle but victory. May we be genuine in our approach to one another and in our approach to our faith. May we regularly, daily, throughout the day, draw near to you, Father. May we help others to do the same. May we be people helping people follow your Son, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Please sign up for our 40 hours of prayer. And if you're in person, if you're able to stack chairs, that would be wonderful.